This is What's Next In with Phil and Leora. A podcast about what is changing and how we can be ahead of it. Join us as we test each other's perspectives and explore new ideas through science and behavior. So Phil, this is a topic that I think is really interesting. And it started with this professor from Yale and her name is Lori Santos. So for those of you who don't know who Lori Santos is, she's this I mean, an incredible professor or director at Yale who had this idea of doing some research about the science of well-being or what makes us happy. And so she thought about creating this course at Yale, just testing it out and seeing, you know, would students find this interesting? Would they want to take a course about the science of well-being and happiness? And fast forward a little bit, and to her surprise, this ended up being the most popular course in history at Yale. And kindly enough, she also posted this on Coursera for free. And this is actually what I'm doing right now. And I thought, and I thought like it would be cool to just take a step back and chat a little bit about what makes us happy and what makes us not as happy as we thought. And I'm really excited to hear your perspectives, Phil, because like you have so many cool experiences in life and I'd love to take kind of the behavioral aspect of it and almost like dissect it and say, what made you stoked or not stoked? For sure. And imagine being an expert on happiness. Oh <laughs> my gosh. Come to her and just like, hey, what makes people happy? Like to me, I feel like it'd be a lot of pressure to be the foremost authority on happiness but i think it's funny because she actually starts off um her course at least the online one by saying like by no means is she like this happy-go-lucky person like she's just a human and she just knows the science but it doesn't necessarily mean that she's a happy expert and it's funny because like that's probably the first thing that people think of like wow you must be you must be just stoked about life you must be so happy all the time (laughs) uh so funny But okay, so I have a few fun stats that I kind of want to start with. But before I do, um, it's interesting because again, pulling from her studies, she really breaks down the idea that the things that we think will make us happy actually don't make us as happy as we think they will. Mm -hmm. Um, And I guess like if I brainstorm, Phil, like what are some things that you think or have or you thought would make you like super happy? All come on. I mean, there's like the typical amazing job, super rich, a um, lot of stuff, just things. You know what I mean? Like those are the things that you, when you're young, you you think about will make you happy. But for me now, it's just I want to I want to go to a concert. <laughs> I want to go on an airplane and go somewhere sunny. <laughs> And I want to eat tasty food in a restaurant. Those are the things that I feel those. Yeah, I feel like when this course was made, they didn't realize we'd be stuck in our apartments and houses in a pandemic, just yearning for like (laughs) something. Um, But I mean, yeah, for sure. Like people want like the fancy job title, the really good jobs, tons of money. Um, Actually, like speaking of tons of money, like I think this is a really big one. People think that as soon as I make X amount of money, I'm going to be happy, I'm going to be, I'm going to have everything I need, and life is going to kind of be easy breezy. Um, And I'd like to kind of stop on this one for a second, because there is an interesting statistic uh, in the book called The How of Happiness. Mm -hmm. And this study essentially asked um, kind of a part of the U.S. population and said, uh, they asked those who are, who are making $30,000 per year, and they asked them, how much money do you need to you know be happy to have everything you need to not worry as much about money so phil i'm gonna ask you the question if you're making thirty thousand dollars a year how much do you think they uh, responded to to think that you know they're they're fine now how much do they need 
Um, I would say maybe sixty thousand. If I was making thirty thousand, I would say double that. I would be happier. Hey, that's pretty close. That's pretty close. So the actual answer the study said was around fifty thousand dollars. So the folks who are making thirty thousand dollars said that if they are making fifty thousand dollars, life would be pretty peachy. But here's what's interesting. Then they asked a population who are making a hundred thousand dollars. So Phil, if you're making a hundred thousand bucks, how much do you think would make you happy, or is that enough? Yeah, exactly. I think I see where this is going. It's all relative, right? So if I was making hundred thousand dollars, I think it would depend on, I guess, like my cost of living in my city. But for the sake of this fun exercise, I would say two hundred thousand dollars is what I would need to make me feel happy. Of course, you would make this very academic and sciencey. <laughs> okay, so Phil, if you were making a hundred k, you would think that two hundred k would make your life easy breezy happy. Um, and you're close. The actual answer in this study was two hundred and fifty thousand.、Mm. So if you're making a hundred thousand on average, the U.S. population thinks that they would want to make two hundred and fifty thousand bucks, and that would be the number that would kind of get them to this happiness, this happy mark. What do you think about that? I, I think it makes sense, right? Like, as I said, everything is relative. So the whole point about kind of making money is that you can always make more. I think that. Once you reach a certain level, it's about that desire to meet, reach the next level and the next level and the next level. And I, I think when it comes to something like money, it's very hard to f- feel fulfilled because there isn't an end goal in state, right? It's you're, it's it's relative. You compare yourself to the people around you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's kind of what the study was really showing. They were saying that folks who seek happiness in things like money. Or jobs, or whatever. I mean, in this example, it's money. There's always going to be that next thing. It's very rare that you're just completely satisfied and happy with wherever you are. So I thought that was really interesting, and maybe a good segue to ch- talk a little bit about, you know, in your own experiences, what have you thought was going to make you happy, and then once you maybe achieved it or not, you realize that it didn't actually have as much of an impact as you thought it would on your life. Does anything come to mind for you? Yeah, actually. So.、Um... The the example that comes to mind is I always thought I was gonna be a professor. I think we've talked about this before, and around midway through my PhD, I, I was like publishing all these great papers and these all these high impact journals, and I kind of had a choice to make about whether I wanted to stay in Toronto to be with Danielle, my、uh, fiance, or whether I wanted to go do a postdoc somewhere. And I had conversations with a lot of mentors of mine and people who I really admired. And I said, you know, when you talk to successful people, their life and their careers look like it looks like it was planned from the beginning, and it's just this perfect straight line, and they had a a fairy tale、uh, life. But they always said that their friends who ended up choosing a career or money over family were never really happy because there was always something they could achieve more. The whole point of career is that you're trying to. Um, do better than you did before, so you're never really content or fulfilled. Whereas the people who ended up choosing family、um, could find fulfillment in their family, could find love and joy and happiness with family and relationships. So that was something、um, uh, that I took to heart. And I guess I, you know, beyond the other sort of、um, awards and things that I've been able to achieve, I always think about happiness, and I always think about it from that moment in my life where I kind of decided. You know, there's this myth that you have to choose career over family, or both. You can't have both. You can have both, but what, like, that really showed me was the emphasis and the priority should be family, 
and that career and all these other things is just something that comes along the way. Wow. That's so beautiful, Phil. That's that's like such a very wholesome answer. I love that. (laughs) And there's so many examples and tales of folks who realize it's too late, who climb climb the corporate ladder and kind of look back and ask themselves what the point is. And I think that's kind of the interesting part of taking the time to reflect on your own happiness or for me taking this course about (laughs) well-being, but really kind of starting to understand fundamentally what we think makes us happy and what actually does make us happy. And it's so important to take those moments and reflect upon it. What about you, Leora? Like, what's what are examples from your life? What was something that you thought would make you happy, but maybe didn't in the end? I feel like a lot of things. <laughs> um, you know what's funny? Like, there's there's so many examples, especially as I start to kind of reflect. I always think about um, I like even at the basic example of like a promotion at work. You know. Um, starting to think about, okay, like if I get to this next level, then I'm going to be able to do this and make this much and have this, you know, I'm going to be so happy and I'm going to get all these things. And then um, you get the promotion. You're like, okay. And I actually clearly remember like I was up for a promotion for a specific role and, you know, I was like, you know, blood, sweat and tears to get this to happen. I was like ready and I was so excited and really just like almost sleepless nights like a couple days before when before the answer came in as to whether or not I was going to get this promotion and I was like so 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 excited because I thought that if I get this then like life's gonna be great after and I was so excited and looking back I I don't really know why because I remember getting the call that I got it and then I was like really happy for that hour and then and then I remember just thinking like okay well nice like on to the next one I guess like I I was shocked with myself because I was so looking forward to this and then I got it and then it was kind of like okay cool like yep it happened and then you kind of forget about it um and it's funny because what what uh I guess this course has taught me is that yes it'll make you happy for a specific amount of time but over the course of time it really doesn't make as much of an impact as we think it does um and to me that was interesting You touched on something that I think I want to kind of explore a little bit more. So you mentioned that, you know, you had this whole idea about being a professor and um, ended up kind of, you know, switching your uh, goals just a little bit just to kind of put your family first. And it's interesting because, A, that's okay, awesome, of course. But B, there's actually studies that show that people um, who share their experiences with someone will be more happy about that experience. Hmm. So if you if something happens to you and it can be as big or as small as you can imagine it, but if you take that time and if you're doing it with someone or even if you go up to them after and just talk to them about this and they just like are excited for you, you're actually going to think about that experience and be more happy about it. And one example is about um, a trip, for example, let's say you take a trip and then you come back and you tell your friends and they're like, wow, that sounds like a really good trip that you did, then it's actually going to make you more happy and think back to that experience more positively than potentially if you had not told your friends about it and had that kind of hype and excitement around you. Mm. I'm, I'm curious, Yara, do you think that holds true even with social media? Ooh, interesting. Um, I think that becomes tricky because with social media, you lack that intimate feedback, right? So mm-hmm. if I had, I'm going to use this trip as an example, but let's say I went to Japan and I come back and I'm like Phil had this crazy time in Japan and we're talking about it and you're stoked for me and we're like laughing and excited I think that's like an intimate moment where we're kind of sharing this story 
But if I share it on social media, that's a whole different thing because now what's happening is that I'm almost quantifying my happiness with how many likes or reactions mm -hmm. I'm going to get. Mm -hmm. So less intimate, like a conversation with you and I, and it more becomes quantified by how many people think this is interesting and exciting. And if I don't get enough likes as I thought, I think that's actually going to make me obviously less happy. You know, the reason I asked that is because I, I think it, um, it, it certainly applies to me. On LinkedIn, I'm very much the one to post things that I'm doing. And I think a lot of people do when they're on LinkedIn and whether they're on a panel or they've won an award or whatever, it's, it, it feels good. But it's a very temporary and fleeting thing. And I, you know, I'm at a point where I kind of, I don't tell my friends about these other things I'm doing in my professional life. Not, I, I feel almost embarrassed to, to, to stunt in front of my friends, right? Like I, I have, that's why I kind of do it. I keep all that professional stuff on LinkedIn. It's part of a building a brand, all of this career stuff. But you know, it's, it's so true. Like I don't feel, sure it feels nice in that moment for you get the number of likes or the mentions or whatever, the comments, but then it's fleeting and then you're just trying to think about the next one. Whereas if there's something exciting, like for example, announcing to my friends that I'm engaged, that obviously is a much more fulfilling, rich and exciting thing to, to, to think about and talk about um, rather than just, you know, being on LinkedIn and trying to get those likes. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's interesting that, um, you know, there's some things that potentially at the beginning of your career, you're excited to start telling your friends. And then the more and more and more things happen, you start to kind of shy away from that. Yeah, I, I don't know why I that is the case. I, I like to think of myself as a relatively humble person. <laughs> like, you are, like... you are. <laughs> <laughs> and I it's it's a little it's almost a little embarrassing really to kind of like not embarrassing. I that's that's almost too hard of a, a term, but you know, I, I go to my friends and I talk to my friends about the hard things in life. I don't necessarily want to go to them and talk to them and get my and get all pumped up and, and you know, about things that are going well. Um, and, and sometimes you need to be able to share that, too. And I think that's part of it. Right. Is the it, I guess I, I, I don't know where you are in this course, but I suppose a lot of happiness <laughs> is in sharing your existence of living with other people, the good and the yeah. bad. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's funny, there's studies that have shown this. There was one interesting podcast episode in the Happiness Lab by the same uh, professor, Laurie Santos. And there was an example about someone eating chocolate. And they were giving uh, two people chocolate. I'm going to like butcher this example. But <laughs> they were essentially giving two people chocolate. And the chocolate was the same. And so when the two people ate the chocolate and didn't really talk about it, they measured how tasty it was. And let's say they thought it was pretty tasty. And then when they did the same exercise, but they had the two people who were eating the same chocolate talk to each other about the chocolate, they actually got excited about it, being like, oh my God, it's so good, it's so this, it's so that. And then they actually rated the chocolate as being more tasty, even though it was the same chocolate that um, it was kind of before they didn't get to talk about it. That's so interesting. Wow. Okay. So I, I guess how... Do you think that there are lessons there to apply to our own lives in the sense of what do you think that part of us, you know, becoming happier is just talking about more things with people? And if so, what's the limit there? Like what what do you think is um, not appropriate to share with others, but, you know, what matters, what doesn't matter and, and how should we try to draw that line? For sure. I think it's I think it's um about sharing experiences. 
So for example, you were saying earlier, oh, if I get this award or this new job, blah, 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 and telling my friends, sure, that's part of it. But there's also this kind of imaginary line where it's kind of like, well, you know what, maybe I shouldn't say every little thing about my career and job. But on the other hand, it's about the opportunity to share other types of experiences with people. And that's really where I think a lot of happiness comes from. If I think back to, I don't know, like, let's say the last few years, Okay, well, maybe not COVID, <laughs> maybe not the <laughs> pandemic or I'm home alone. But even then, like um, some of the like most memorable and happy moments isn't really when like, let's say I got a promotion earlier this year. That wasn't like that was good, but it doesn't kind of highlight in my mind as much as when me and my husband had like a really fun date night, even though we were in a pandemic and we ordered food and watched a movie and it was all fun and games. And that to me is a like far more like happy and exciting experience and kind of resonates far more happily with me than let's say like a promotion, which frankly, like just seems like old news to me now, which is interesting because again, I draw from that example earlier this year where I was like almost like sleepless with two nights before because I was like this is going to be awesome and it really didn't make me as happy as I thought it would. Hmm. Yeah, I, I hear this a lot you know where I think people are starting especially during the pandemic to be more self-reflective and think about what truly makes them happy and what experiences over the past years and all this stuff makes them happy and you know at the beginning of this when I, I was joking but you know it's true like just going to a concert having a meal at a restaurant with friends um those are little things, but they're experiences, not things, that I think we will all cherish much more when we're out of this pandemic. Um, I'm, but, you know, I wonder how everything is so relative. Like, I, I wonder how long that will last, meaning I wonder how long before this world after the pandemic becomes normalized again and we get we fall into the same traps that of unhappiness and, and anxiety and, and wanting to do more and, and the rat race and the grind that we were before. What do you think? Yeah, I think it's it's tough to say. Like even, like, like if I bring it back to this chorus about, you know, the science of well-being, they were pulling out these studies well before the pandemic. They were saying materials isn't what's gonna make you happy. Like buying the new spin bike, Phil and I were just talking about spin bikes, <laughs> but, but buying the new spin bike or the biggest house or anything like that, isn't what's going to make you happy long term. It's those experiences that you're going to draw on. And if anything, sharing those experiences is what's going to be, I guess, more and more prevalent. And if anything, like this pandemic really highlights that because that's what people are really missing. They're not really missing um, a number of material goods. They're missing the fact that they just want to hang out with their friends and family and travel and go to concerts and eat at restaurants, which is actually the things that you said at the beginning of our conversation of the things that you miss and I think that's where a lot of um kind of those important moments happen mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so what, what do you think is what's next in happiness in the terms in, in the sense of like studying happiness understanding happiness applying ways to and promote happiness within our own lives you know what, what is there anything forward looking in, in in the stuff that you've been looking at with these courses and, and all of that like what do they think is is coming up I think, and I mean, I don't want to speak on behalf of, of the happiness psychologists of the world. By no means am I an expert. But I think that, I mean, the world is already starting to have this hype of, you know, well-being. There's meditation apps. There's all these programs you can do that kind of try to kickstart the way that you work so that you are focused more on the right stuff and are happier about it. But 
I mean, the more I personally reflect on it, the more it's true that I think that experiences is really where a lot of the value is going to come from in our lives. When we look back, we won't think back to, you know, the fancy car or the job that was really a fancy title, but you ended up working like 100 hours every week. It's really looking back and thinking to those experiences that you wanted, whether it's, for example, learning the guitar or painting or, you know, going on a crazy trip with your friends or even just that one night that you stayed out too late with your buddies. Like, those are the things that you're going to remember on. And so I think if we think about what's next and understanding our happiness, it's focusing on having more of those experiences and having more of those kind of fulfilling life moments and focusing less on this rat race, this burnout, this cool culture of if I work this many hours and grind so hard and work every single day forever, that's what happiness will mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm going to approach this from a, a different perspective, which is the, I've always found the concept of sort of well-being and happiness and, as you say, the hype or sort of the the industry around promoting well-being and happiness as and this may be controversial but it's an almost a uniquely privileged problem to have yeah it's be mean, controversial yeah <laughs> and what i mean by that is you know there are lots of people out there who are, are just you know trying to survive and and a lot of people who uh, in in other countries and in, in non-western democracies who may not have a lot of material wealth but are happy in and of themselves because they have um, a base in community, because they feel that they have a place in the world and people know and understand them. And I think what's really interesting about Western culture being, you know, of it and myself is that there's this desire for always more, something better. And that in and of itself, I think, is almost contradictory to happiness. And I find it really ironic that we have developed the uh, an industry really almost around wellness and around promotion of happiness that you know i think it's one thing to have wellness in the context of being healthy mentally and keeping up sort of um, your mental health but then it's another thing where you have sort of um, books that propose that they have the secret to happiness and all these things it, yep. it's, <laughs> it's fascinating to me i think it's one of these universal human conditions that people you know where do we come from what makes us happy what happens to us after we die uh what is truth what you know all of these things are i think fundamental to our experience um and i just find it interesting how different cultures and different places and and people approach the topic i think like i love that you say that because there's so many good things in what you just said and one of the things is around the idea that I feel like it is an absolute privilege to be able to take a step back and have the lifestyle that you want and focus on how to also maximize your own happiness and well-being. I think it is a privilege because if I think back to like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like at the very bottom is just understanding that, like, how do I make sure I have food? How do I make sure I have shelter? How do I make sure that, you know, I can provide for my family? And at the top of this pyramid is this fulfilling part where, okay, once my basic life needs are met, then I have the opportunity to almost like fulfill what I want in life. So I think it is an absolute privilege to be able to take the time and reflect and kind of aspire to want these things. 
in terms of the well-being, like I think it's absolutely um, like super overmarketed. Like you have so many apps and things like that, like I mentioned. Um, and it's unfortunate because sometimes they're not always with the best intentions. But if anything, it does kind of prove that there is this need for people to kind of seek these ways of improving their life. And in this relevant, like, I think it's relevant, but um, in the book American Paradox by David Myers, I have a quote that I think actually um, kind of touches on this. So in this book, uh, David Myers says that compared with grandparents, today's young adults have grown up with much more affluence, slightly less happiness, and way greater risks of depression. What do you think about that? I, I think it's so true. I mean, I think I think depression, depression is the next epidemic, um, or if not already an epidemic, I mean, again, the this pandemic has highlighted <laughs> the, the the need for this. I mean, um, there's a lot of stresses at, on, on younger people at the University of Toronto, where I live steps away from and is my alma mater. They've had to reckon with recent years, lots of suicides by students, primarily first year students who are unfortunately taking their lives because of the pressures from their, their studies. Um, you, you see people who are feeling more and more um isolated from each other, especially during a pandemic. I was listening to a front burner podcast the other day and they went to the call centers of um, sort of the mental health hotlines and listening to the stories of people who just feel so alone and just want connection or every, anyone, anything from regular people who call in just to hear someone else's voice to people on the brink of, of, of committing suicide. And it's, it's heartbreaking and it's so touching and, and, yeah, I, I wonder, I, I wonder, like, how much of this is, you know, the rose tinted glasses piece of it, where we don't know what it was like back then. We don't know what level of communication was. Maybe it's because today we are, you know, just more open about communicating these sorts of things. And, 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 and therefore, these things get measured more. I guess I touched on like what I think is what's next in and you made some good points. But what do you think is what's next in kind of understanding your own happiness and what's going to be the future of that i don't know i really don't know i don't know what this is what i know the podcast is what's next in <laughs> <laughs> and we need to come up with what's next in at the end of every podcast but for me i think the only thing you can do is just know who you are like know yourself know what your values are test and experiment and see what does make you happy and what doesn't make you happy and trying to understand you know what is real happiness and what is superficial happiness and i think that takes time and practice and that's part of living so i don't really know if there's a necessarily a, a what's next in i think it's always in it, the next is always now Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh that's a response i like that <laughs> This week, we talked about what we think actually makes us happy. We talked about what we thought would make us happy but didn't, and why our spin bikes won't make us as happy as going to a concert with our friends would. Our what's next in was, okay, well, Phil didn't actually know this one, but it's a big topic, so it comes down to understanding yourself and what brings you real happiness as opposed to superficial happiness. What do you think is what's next in being happy?